my zone. I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm unknown to the world that's full of clones. My originality focused on principalities broken. I'm loaning my heart and soul to the game that's here to pay it back. Confession is a motherfucker. The strength to go on and believing in another sucker. Man, it must be hump day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Welcome to the greatest show on a Wednesday that you didn't know about, but you know now. So, as you can see, I have another beautiful roundtable of gentlemen here on another fantastic episode of Gentlemen's Talk. This is our Juneteenth special. I am one of two of the most dynamic duo hosting casts here in Mr. GQ. I am the other DJ, Micah B. Y'all know what time it is. So let's turn up. So we already know what it is. We got a round table going. As you can see, I have two very esteemed gentlemen who just so happen to almost look like twins, you know, bald headed and glasses. Though, but, you know, <laughs> I knew he was going to say it. I, knew he was I, say it. Oh, man. I didn't expect it. I didn't expect it, but it is what it is, but it's cool. But I love it because these are two. These are two men who, just like DJ Michael B up there, I've got a very long and close relationship with. So I've got my man, Mr. Devin Alexander, up there, young man from my form, one of my former units before I, I changed career paths, and he's trying to get on that same path. And my man that I went to college with, had a fitness comp organization with, did all things explosive because he's in the explosive game, and just like I am, and that is Mr. Dorian Nora down there. Also a very, very, very much avid comic book guy, in case y'all don't know. And if you don't know, now you know. So what's going on, fellas? Man, well, hanging in you, there. You know, be, be, before, before we go any further, uh, Dorian is also an LXG brother. So without further ado, we're going to do it one time. Hold up! Yeah! Yeah! yeah. One time for the one time. So... <laughs> Today, like I said, we've got a very special show. Yes, we know the Juneteenth was yesterday, but guess what? Not yesterday, excuse me, but Monday. So we had to make sure we didn't forget about it. We didn't want y'all to forget about it, so we thought we would make sure that we brought it to you. So for those who, for some reason, like, failed or dropped out of high school or just didn't pay attention in history class, so Juneteenth is significant for the state of Texas because what happened is the Union on June 19th, 1865, came on down to good old Galveston, Texas, and Notice that there were still slaves in the fields out there working and doing their thing. It's like, hey man, you know y'all been free for a, for a hot minute, right? And they're like, wait, what? It's like, yeah, man, y'all been free. And that's how the conversation would go nowadays. That's really how it would go. I'm trying to translate. You know, that was how they, they didn't talk like this in, in you know 1865, but in uh, 2023, you know, we're gonna keep it a buck and be real with it. But we bring that up because the entire point of the round table that we wanted to bring to the fold was to talk about progression since. Juneteenth. So what that's going to do now is lead us into the very, very first question I have. And we'll kind of start this since I'm down here on the bottom left of the screen. We'll start up top. We'll go to the right and then we'll finish up with uh with Mr. Nora down there. If everybody cool with that. Everybody good with that? Yeah. Yep. All right. So the very first question is very simple. Have we truly progressed since Juneteenth? Hmm. Oh, I guess that's me, huh? That is you. Um, that is me. I think happy Juneteenth, brother. Oh, well, yeah. Happy Juneteenth to everybody. Um, happy Juneteenth. You know, I've been thinking about uh, what I was going to say and whatnot. To say that we progressed, I would say that in certain areas, I want to say yes. 
for the black community we have. But then in certain areas, I'm like, I'm thinking, no, we haven't progressed. And we, we there are certain areas I think we need, need to, to work on. Like, for example, I, I can remember, and I'm about to age myself. I remember back in uh, the 80s where it was not talked about amongst the black community uh, to bring up mental health you know, as far as being black, it's like, oh no, that was, that's white people. White people always have crazy, crazy things happening to them. We don't have, we don't have that. We're strong. We're kings. You know, we, we were brought up on that. We were brought up on that and it, and it progressed into the nineties. And, you know, we got into a lot of different things, which is like the gangster era. And, you know, I don't want to like go into a whole bunch of things, but I think now mentally uh, self inventory and self-help is not just a white person thing it's not just uh something it is a, a a humanistic thing that it's like you know what if you lived in a hood or even if just being black you have certain things that you might need to talk about and you might need to vent out whether it's with a therapist that's with your significant other so i think that that is something but i think the the one thing that we kind of kept the same um where we where we might need a little bit more work on is how we judge each other uh, as black people and and how harsh we're so quick to tell people that they're not invited to the cookout and how how they're not black because of certain characteristics and i think that's one thing as a community that, that we can work on yeah and mobby you're 100 right man mental health is one of the most important things in life and at the same time, of course, we know June as well as it also is Men's Mental Health Month as well. So, you know, always keep those types of things in mind. Man, somebody moving some heaviness back there. So, DJ Michael B, your thoughts banging on that, man? Banging. <laughs> I do think uh, physically, and when I say physically, as in entrepreneurship and things of that nature in, in the black community, yes, we have progressed because you see a lot of people making clothing lines. You see a lot of people do, even if it's not successful record labels, they're actually going out and trying these different kinds of things, startup companies and things like that. And I see a lot more black people investing in stocks and things of that nature. The mentality is still a lot of the same though. And when I say that it's not to be rude or anything, but I don't think there's a, a race more divided than the black race at certain at certain points in this era. Like, for instance, just something so simple like that's their light skin shit. <laughs> yeah, oh, dark skin shit. Or my favorite because my family's from the Caribbean, even though I'm black. Hey, you're black. You're you're a black Caribbean, not a black American. It's like it doesn't matter. I'm black. <laughs> And you see it all through the all through the world. It don't matter if you're from Switzerland, Europe, America, and you're white. Guess what? They're going to say you're Caucasian. They're not going to say you're a European Caucasian. They're not going to say, especially here in America, American Caucasian. So why is there African American? Why is there Afro Caribbean? We're black, and that's one. Of, that's one of the things I just I think mentality wise. That's the Oh, how can house nigga mentality? Because you know, you sit there and we study about it, and you you always hear, oh, well, the light skin was the house niggas most of the time, and then the dark skin ones was in the field. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the one place I still think 
we need help with overall is the the, the division within the black community. I like that. Mr. Nora, what's your thoughts, man? Um, I agree. There is definitely a lot of division. Um, obviously, we have progressed as far as uh, entrepreneurship, also entertainment. Um, for some reason, I think black people are more revered as entertainers than um, even mm -hmm. entrepreneurs. Like, uh, you can be a business owner, be a lawyer, be a doctor, be a uh, could be a, you could have your own car shop, like auto automotive shop, uh, but nobody's more revered than the rappers and the actors and the singers, you know. And it's just it's cool, but we shouldn't have to always put on a show. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, and I, and I got you. That that's it, it. It lines up into some of my actual similar thoughts as well. Is that I do think. On the surface, yes, we have progressed 100%. We have progressed because we are not, we're no longer owned by anybody. But at the same time, we are prisoners within our own communities and cultures. And that is the problem. We have to find our way out of that because me and Micah, we've talked about this on multiple occasions. Like we, we are by far the most self destructive, self sabotaging group that exists. Like we are, we will, we will not support our own when they're trying to progress. We would rather talk bad about them tear them down and i'm like why aren't we that much more supportive we're not so there's like it's like a if i put it on a scale of one to ten we are more so about we're about a six if i'm be keeping it a buck we're about a six like we have so much further we can go but we won't do that like for some reason we will not help we won't support we won't be i'm not sitting there telling you to be everything everything under the sun and be everything pro-black you have to do all that but when you see some young up and coming prodigy, some little 14, 15 year old kid, I ain't even talking about on the news, he became like a big time clothing designer. We should be standing behind that young man as a community and be like, hey man, that is a, how many 15 year olds in general have gotten that far? And we don't even talk about that near like we should. So yes, we have progressed, but I do think we have, we, we should, in 2023, we should be a lot further along than in my mind, it feels like that we are. Like yeah. I should, we should be able to walk up and down the street and things should feel normal. I shouldn't feel like I got to look over my shoulder. I shouldn't have to keep my head on a swivel. Like I shouldn't have to do that. I should better just live my life, be normal, but we don't know what normal is because if I decide in my opinion, one day I want to go, you know, I want to go rock gym clothes all of a sudden I look a certain type of way. Or, you know, if I want to go, you know, back, let's take it back to the early two thousands. you know, we was wearing, you know, big jeans and big tall tees and, and forces you know, you're looked at a certain way. Having tattoos, you got looked at a certain way. And I'm like, well, every, everybody has tattoos. Every yeah. damn near every group has tattoos in one way, shape, form, or fashion. But yeah. you know, it's us. And you know, it's just like Dorian said. It's cool if you're a if you're a movie star, if you're a professional athlete. It's, it's cool to be you know popular in that regard, but not not as a not as a businessman or a businesswoman, not as a CEO. You know, not as a the next great inventor. Like, why are all of the biggest progressive inventions that we had as a culture happened before all of us were born? Dang. Okay. That's a good question. Yeah. Like, let's like let's think about that. We wouldn't have the refrigerator had an African American not created it. We would not have the stoplight had an African American not created it. We would not have a telephone had an African American not created it. Like, let's let's you know think about that. Like, why is it? In 2023, we don't have more of those progressive individuals that do those things now. Where are they? 
you know, so that, you know, now that leads me into my second question and we'll go in uh, reverse, reverse order. So I'll start with myself and it's, would our ancestors be proud? And honestly, if, if they were to just, if, and I'm imagining that they would definitely be watching this, but if, if they were just sitting there watching this happen, kind of like the matrix, let's play it like that. If they were just watching this on about 400 different screens, just different aspects of the, of our community and whatnot, and what we're doing now, I think they would be upset. They would be happy. And they would be upset. They would be both. Because, actually, I like that comment. Let me drop it up there real quick. So, we yes, we have definitely become more lazy. Because, and trust me, keep listening, Mom, because when we get to the bottom of this show, I'm going I'm to I'm drop a bomb on some people, and they're not going to like it, but I don't give a fuck. This show ain't made for kids. But I do think there are lots of aspects within what we do that our ancestors would just hold their head down and be like, I can't believe I went through all this for us to do this. Like, why are we still doing some of the things that we're doing? You know, like we we've survived the crack pe- pandemic and all these things and all we've gotten past all these things. We've gotten past segregation. Like we've gotten past all these things, but we still want to find our way back to those old bad habits. Mm. Prime example. Our ancestors would look at John Morant like he lost his fucking mind right now. <laughs> it's true. A two hundred million dollar man. Young black man with a kid acting like this. Boy, our ancestors would slap the shit out of him. No question. Like, let's just let's let's keep it a buck. Am I am I wrong? Uh you're right. You're right. Like, you're right. Absolutely right. right. Yeah. Dorian, your thoughts on that. Yeah. Um I think that some things have become normalized, like broken homes. The idea of like struggling, like when you know a lot of us black folks, when we want to do something, when we want to start a business or anything like that, a lot of us will take the cheap route and do the bare minimum. Yep. Act surprised when it doesn't pan out, you know. Um, this that like even education, like I think, uh, like I see, I see more black women. You know, completing college and stuff like that, building careers and everything—that's good. But like, black men, like young black boys, are like just, you know, going off of whoever taught them how to live life. Like for me, um, the primary male figures I had growing up was my dad until my parents split up when I was by eleven. Then I had my uncles to look up to, and. You know, some of them had their stuff together, some of them didn't. And the main ones that were around me were the ones that didn't have their stuff together. And I honestly didn't learn anything from them. So, like, a lot of the life I've learned how to live, I had to figure it out. And I had to see people outside of my family with advice and guidance and stuff like that. And it sucks because there are some kids that don't have access to, you know, good mentors or anything like that. And they get stuck in the same cycle. Um, yeah. Michael B, what's up? Um, would our ancestors be proud? I think they would be proud to a certain extent. As in, there is a lot of self-sustaining black businesses. There is more black CEOs, probably not more than ever. But on the flip side of that, I'm pretty sure every one of y'all in here have heard of 
Black Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Black Wall Street was bombed and destroyed. We never built it back up. And not only was it destroyed, it was destroyed because it was thriving. And it I think this booming, divide, booming. it was booming. Yeah. And then part of the divide does come where. And I hate to say it like this, but Charles Barkley made the comment a long time ago that we're not the people your kids should look up to, which is basketball players. It's pretty much to, to, to paraphrase what he said. I think he's absolutely right because the kids, a lot of the kids, I mean, when I was young, I was the same way too. Now that I've gotten gotten older, I try to mentor and, and be, be a lot more out of my community now. But gangster life is glorified. Celebrity Big life man. and entertainment life is glorified. Doctors, fi- black doctors, black firefighters, these kind of things aren't glorified. And especially now with the introduction of social media, Everything is for clout. Everything. You get famous for killing somebody on live overnight. Even if that means you're going to jail because we all know you did it. You got famous. People are going to rewatch that over and over and over again. And it's yep. going to garner so many views. They're going to start putting ads in it. And the person that posted is going to make money off of it. I mean, just think about looking at TV. Look at some of our most famous shows. Look at a show like Power. Power is one of our most popular shows in the community, and look what it's about. Is it about actually anything positive? No. No. We're glorifying gangsters in the drug game. Like, we're cool with that. Yeah. And speaking of TV, I feel like the late 80s and early 90s was the pinnacle of where our ancestors would have been proud of what we were putting out on TV. You had Bella Banks. Mm-hmm. Successful black judge. Nice life. You had Carl Winslow, an officer in the community where officers are now looked down on by most of the black community. And if we probably had more officers in the black community that were actually black, they wouldn't be villainized so much. An officer in Chicago on top of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Don't forget Bill Cosby, a doctor. Bill Cosby, a doctor. And it, it, it blows my mind every now and then when I think about it. We don't have no all-black hospitals. It's not a bad thing because, you know, obviously it's not segregating things anymore, but I I dare any one of you right now to name it off the top of your head an all-black hospital owned by a black person or ran by a black person. You got to go to the other side of the globe for that. Exactly. So... I don't think I think they would they see some assets where they're like, okay, they're making an imprint, but the difference between the the civil rights era and now we progressed way more in the civil rights era as a community than we have now. Yeah. yeah. And we're more free now, and that's the saddest thing. What you think, D? You know, I, I I'm not trying to like make it make it all funny and whatnot but i don't know if anybody's ever saw this but you remember if you have boondocks whenever they did that episode where they had uh martin luther king wake up after his assassination and he woke up to our times that that for some reason that popped in my head is that that's what i would think our ancestors would do but more often than not i also think that our ancestors would show us how they navigated because we we always say that 
right now it's harder for us, you know, and, and nothing to take light of what happened with George Floyd. That was a tragedy and that was harsh. But if I had to compare to what our ancestors had to go through as far as slavery, you got to understand they had to navigate on as far as slavery and trying to become a citizen in a uh, like, let's just take somebody that was a slave for five or six years afterwards, they had to navigate on how to be a citizen. So I think our ancestors not, would, would not only be upset at us right now, I would also think that they'd be like, you know what, sit back, Junior, sit back, uh, sweetheart. Let me show you how to navigate and how to work this community. And they would show us that it wouldn't be as hard as we think it would be as far as building a community. So um, to answer your question, I think they would be upset because we do have it. We do have it a lot easier. I'm not saying that that systemically everything's all all uh, rainbows and 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 uh, and happiness. But I think that our ancestors would be like, I paved the way for you guys to do something better than what you're doing. And you're not living up to that potential. So I, I think that uh, not only would they be upset, but they would show us exactly how to uh, make this work if they had the opportunity. So something you said I want to hit on because it made perfect sense. And I'm going to drop that on there, too. So, yeah, and, and, and he's right. I mean, there, there is there's definitely lots of reasons why they would be completely upset. At the same time, what we've got to look at, too, is 1865 versus 2023. Yeah mentally we have lost our fight we don't have the mental toughness that they do or they did excuse me like we don't we we're because and we'll get to this a little bit later in the show but we we would turn our focus more into playing the blame game than the solution game and that's the problem we're always looking to blame somebody else instead of looking in the mirror like the thing is and you're right about this too Devin, when you said it we do have it easier. The problem is we don't take advantage of what we have because everyone has a chance. You are not stuck in your circumstances at all. You got you got three people on this panel that are from very suspect areas in Texas that we live from. And we all got away from and got up out of there. Like, you know, we got out. We did fine. Like we're successful, you know, for what it's worth. We're not we're not billionaires, obviously, but we're we're good. You know, we got we got we got two fathers on this panel. Clearly, we've done something right because we are now raising children in this generation, in this era. You know, you know, we've got godfathers in this over here. We've got uncles in this in this panel here. Like we're we're doing something right because someone is looking up to us in one way, shape, form, or fashion. You've got three veterans in this conversation, which means we have taken it as far as we can take it to be successful, and we are still not looking back. We're not trying to go back to the old days and go run around with the old crews. We're not trying to do none of that shit. I'm telling you right now, like I tell everybody, I'm way too fucking pretty for jail. Ain't even happen. If I go to jail, it's behind my kids. It ain't about to be behind me doing some dumb shit that revolves me, you know, doing something else. Like that's just that's just me being me. But shit, I'm five seven. I ain't got time for that either. Yeah. <laughs> said, I'm, I'm five, five seven, seven, man. You know, five seven, dude. If you ain't funny and you can't fight like Jean Claude Van Damme or Bruce Lee, it's it's all over. I ain't got time for that, man. I ain't got time. For that. <laughs> you know, man, you, you might you might have a little Michael Jai White in there, man. You know, you got a little Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu background, man. You might I, I, I do, I do, but I don't want to test it against somebody that has a shank. I'm telling you, Jeremy, it's you, just yeah. 
like, no, listen, so like, he, I, can't, I, I he said he came uh, from the three one three. One of the guys at the last drill for National Guard, he said, he said, uh, he goes, Hey, uh, Alexander, you know how to fight, right? I'm like, Yeah. He goes, Do you think you can still take? I heard you, you used to fight like a gauntlet matches, five guys, and all that. I'm like, Dude, I'm 40. I'm about to be 40. Do I want to do that to impress anybody? No. So, what makes you think I want to do that in jail? You know, I don't want to do that when I'm 23. Yeah, so yeah, I, mean, I don't, don't want to do that now. Just because I might be trained in it, don't mean I want to test that theory. Yeah, I don't want to test. Listen, like you said, if it's not my kids and it's not my wife, it's not it's not anything family. It's just not worth it. I don't, and I think I don't know if this is one of the questions, but it's one of those things that I feel like as as a black man and as a man, there's always this. Oh, let's prove this. Let's prove that. And it's like, no, I'm getting too old to where I feel like I need to prove it by action all the time. I know that yeah. we have tests that we have to pass here and there, but if it ain't a test or if it ain't going, if, if it's not going to make me money, I don't need to prove nothing to you. That's not 100%. my idea. That's not and my I think, yeah. I think that's the other biggest thing that our ancestors would be upset about is the fact that we don't use our hands anymore. Everything is, oh, let me go pull that strap. Oh, let me go pop the trunk. Oh, let me go do that. Like, we, we, like we, 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 we as a culture are so quick to, to pull up and shoot on somebody instead of just, you know, kind of like, like Pop said on, on Friday, you know what I'm saying? Say, hey, man. You live to fight another day, man. Like you, you pull that gun. No, boss. Like you, you might win that particular battle, but you now have lost the war of your life. Like make it make sense, right? So it brings me to my other question. We'll go back to our, our original panel. So we're gonna go back with uh, with you first, Mr. Alexander. And it's how is how can we as the the older the mentors in this in this in essence influence our youth to jump into more leadership positions as they get older what do you think think there are things that we can do to help them get into those leadership positions so that when we become the old the old old heads not the not the not the mentors we are but the old heads we we know we're in good hands as a culture um i want to go back to uh what we talked about community uh the biggest thing that that I, I feel as far as the black community is that we don't have the black community. We don't have that vision. So I think we have to have mentor programs coming in and and making sure that wherever the school system is failing, we as men pick up. We need to have more accountability uh in the sense of knowing what you can't save everybody in. In your, on your block, but if you can get one or two houses and then communicate with somebody else, as far as like, hey, I got uh, one, two, I got, I got house number one, house number two, and house, house number three. They ain't got no dad, uh, and they they don't have the mom is working two jobs. You know, uh, I need to I need to help them with the food pantry, or you know, help them help the kids with learning martial arts. Or they don't know how to fix a car. You know, let me teach them. We don't have that. And I think that it starts with building a community. And once you start building that community of communicating and it's not about this, this brother's better than that brother and all this other stuff. If you can build that community, that community and communicate with each other, I think that that's where we start with it. Because once you have a, a, a black man, a black male, a young man uh, 
be brought up with just some dude that that spent maybe 10 minutes, maybe an hour throughout his time showing him how to do something, whether that's something with his hands or that's something writing down on a pad on how to do math. That's going to stop that one kid from being out in the streets, watching TV, playing video games, which there's nothing wrong with those things, but there's no baseline from what we used to grow up with, which was, hey, there's a time for TV, then there's a time for you to go out and rake the leaves. There's a time for you to to go out and learn how to fix things, how to how to uh, get hurt and get up and, and, and do sports. We don't have that. So I think if we have that connectivity and that alternative to what uh, drugs and alcohol and, 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 and just having sex with, with women and, and the, you know, and opposite sex and, or whatever the case may be, if we're able to do that, I think that once you build that community back up and that communication between, uh, mentors and, and, uh, young, young women, black women and young, uh, black men, I think that'll be a good start. I totally agree. First, uh, I used to volunteer at CIS. I used to work at CIS. And one of the ways I used to give back all the time, even when I wasn't getting paid for it, I would go to Harlem, which is a school in my community. And I'm from McNair, so, you know, it is what it is. Go out there and I'd be just one of the only males in this school trying to essentially teach these kids like, hey, I know where you're from. I'm from here too. I grew up on the same streets you are. I saw the drug dealers too, but I didn't become a product of my environment as I got older. And I want to be the one positive example. If I am the only positive example you have, I want to make sure and do that to my best ability. That was my way of doing it. And of course, like you alluded to sports, I think growing up back then, Coaches were more than just coaches. They were also part of the village. And the more you go, go into youth sports now and you see it, the parents don't allow the coaches to coach and give life lessons. And a lot of the coaches now choose not to do the whole equating sports to life either. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing. If we're young and black, we essentially like, hey, most of them want to be Sports players. Well, a lot of people get to sports in college and don't go any further. So what's next? The devalue of education now. And it's annoying that education is devalued. And I mean, successfulness is only a thought of being a millionaire or billionaire. That's what the kids look and see as successful. That's not the correct way to look at it because... I know plenty of people that aren't millionaires, pool in their backyard, two-story house, not wanting for anything. They got everything they need, everything they can want. You don't have to be a millionaire to get that stuff either. And it's just there's a mentality that kids see from the time they're young, and they want to chase that. And when they do chase it, they go about it the way they see in their community. So a lot of it is OGs aren't OGs anymore. Mm. I remember going on the block when I was young and I was like, man, I need to make some money. So I'm going to sell weed. I had a guy that knew me from church and he's, he still knows me now. We still talk about, it. we laugh about it now because it's funny. 
But I went out there on, on the street and he was like, what you doing out here? I was like, man, I'm out here selling. That dude took every piece of weed I had on me and was like, take your ass home. You know better than this. Go mm. get an education. I've seen your grades. You're too smart for this bullshit. Don't do that. Mm. But the kids are too disrespectful and people like, oh, hey, sometimes we just don't want to, we don't want to deal with it, but we have to find a way to deal with it and break the cycle because when we were young, somebody broke the cycle for us and they didn't break the cycle for a lot of others. But if we can just get through to, if there's one, there's, there's four of us on this panel. If one, each one of us could get through to four kids, it will make a difference. You just never know who's watching and will start following. So that's my take on it. Yeah, I definitely agree with Michael. Uh, it definitely starts when they're young. Uh, that's when you have the most impression on the kid. Uh, I think you start as early as like two or three. Like they start mimicking everything. You know, once they start seeing you not caring, they don't stop caring. Um, yeah, it's a lot of kids. A lot of kids are in their program. But um, I definitely think to bring everybody together, it would take mentorship. It would take community. Um, there are some folks that don't have an example of mentorship. They want to be mentors. Um, me, my example, I found that in the Bible last year. Like, I was saved last year, so Amen. I found that Jesus. Like I found, I found leadership through Jesus, and I've been leading my own squad and my unit and everything. I've been trying to use that example, and uh, it's been working so well, pretty well so far. Um, my goddaughter is working with her. Uh, she already has a relationship with Jesus, so you know it's, it comes second nature to her. But uh, I definitely think it starts with uh, mentorship and have an early age, or at least find some type of way to relate. Like once you can find common ground, it's pretty easy to make progress. It it all it all goes to that that old adage. It takes a village, and it does. Yeah. It one hundred percent does. Like and it and it's just like all all three of you have alluded to it in different ways, but we're all on the same sheet of music. We have to. We have to. It starts with us. We we have to be able to get out there, and do our best to participate and help the youth. But at the same time, the youth behind us can't be out there just looking for a handout. It works twofold. You can't just sit around and wait for somebody to, to help you. you. You've got to seek that help. You've got to ask for help. You've got to know where to look for that help. And, you know, and you may find yourself in a situation like, like Dorian just said. You know, he found the Bible last year. One of, one of my biggest things that I've always gone back to is the gym for me. The gym is a place where I can find everything. And then, of course, being, you know, the whole military aspect of it, being in as long as I've been in, I've, I've been in a leadership position for a very long time. So I've mentored a lot of, you know, young, young soldiers and some older than me. But it's because I've 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 struggled enough to where I know how to keep people from falling into that trap because it's easy to fall into that trap. It's hard to get out of that trap. So without that constant guidance, without that mentorship, without somebody that's essentially holding you accountable to use the exact term as it is. How do you know? If you're going to be, if you're, if you're on the right track, you don't know. Is somebody checking you along the way? Because we could be doing whatever we think is right, and it could be 100% wrong. 
We could be doing this and think, oh, yeah, I'm doing this. The whole time we in reverse and have no idea. It's that simple. But if without that person that's kind of not telling you what to do, not even holding your hand, but just being that light for you. Sometimes you just got to be a light for somebody. And mm-hmm. Mike, you already said it. There's four of us here. If each one of us can be a light for a, young, for a youth, we've done our part. It is now for that youth when that youth becomes in a position that we're in to be a light for the next person and for the next person. And it takes a village. And it just like we were we were fortunate. A lot of us had our great grandparents in our lives. Some of us had our grandparents and they they were the lights for a lot of us. Like my, my great grandmother was an encyclopedia of all things wisdom. She would say things metaphorically to me that would make no sense when I was a kid. And then as I got older, all that shit just start clicking, just start clicking, just start. Clicking. I was like, what in the world was she talking about? But it started clicking. And now we are in that same position. We have that same ability to do the same. But the question is, will we do it? Your time is free. It doesn't cost you anything. Obviously, you know, you can't get it back, but it's an investment. Will you invest in the generation behind us? Because eventually we'll be old and we'll just be sitting back watching, hoping that, you know, the world that we know it as is in a better place once we're no longer in that position to do the things that we're doing now. Somebody has to take our places and we hope and we want them to be better than us. Just like as parents, we want our kids to do better. And it's not because we've done something wrong. It's just every single generation should progress further. But in the sake of for for looking at it from our culture's perspective, it doesn't seem that way sometimes. Because our ancestors were hardworking. They were they did everything the hard way and then not, not and that's because of the circumstance. They worked their tails off to get the smallest of things. And then now we're so coddled. Everything is handed. We're always looking for a handout. And it, it, it leads into, you know, something that we wanted to talk about. And actually, I'm going to save that for you want to you want to go ahead and drop your your bomb because you had a you had a question. You actually have three veterans. You get three different perspectives from this this question. Yeah, actually, I do. So I, I wanted to ask you guys, uh, this came up on the, the the Memorial Day special, but I also wanted to ask you guys, because we, we have two more military guys here in uh, GQ. We have progressed in this country, and a lot of blacks are now in the military. But it seems like everywhere you turn, somebody is always saying something slick like, you're a black man in the white man's military. And things, so you know, I know y'all. Y'all have all heard some form of that in your in your military path. So how how exactly when people keep shoving that down y'all's throat, and then kids are hearing that and they're deterring away from being in the military, which I think the military is a good thing. I tried to go to the navy. I just failed the physical. It is what it is. In large heart, hey. So what 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 would y'all use or what would y'all say to counteract that? Because I think the military is a very good thing. Because it trains you mentally to break to break the cycle that we're in. Oh, am I starting? It doesn't even matter. It's three oh. of us, though. Um, I'll start. Um, so, whenever the George Floyd incident happened, I was actually on on a on a task force mission uh to washington and they and i actually got sent on my birthday my uh which jeremy knows my my readiness nco he called me up and he goes i thought he was calling me to wish me happy birthday 
I go like, hey, what's going on, Sergeant? He goes, hey, isn't your birthday coming up? I'm like, yeah, it is. He And I'm like, uh, are you calling to wish me happy birthday? He goes, nope, I'm calling you because remember that uh, insurrection that just happened? And I'm like, yeah, Sergeant, it's crazy, right? And he goes, guess what? Uncle Sam got you a, a first-class ticket to uh, Washington. Happy birthday. And, and click, and that was it. And so I realized that then that the race wars, everything that you want to call it, uh, COVID was going rampant. I was like, man, this is really heating up. And uh, I actually got that question. Uh, a, a, a tall black dude came up to me. And he's like, "Hey, bro, can I ask you something? I'm in my uniform. I'm, 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 I'm taking a break from being up for 13 hours, and we were sitting down. And he came and he and he came down and he asked me. And he goes, he he asked that same question. And I knew that it was coming up uh, because I, like a lot of black people, have witnessed police brutality at a young age. But when he asked that." I didn't know what my answer was and uh, I've been able to perfect it now. Uh, now that it's been several years from that. And basically it starts with one. If you see something wrong, you see something power structure wise, whether it's, it's the white man's uh, Navy, the white man's military or whatever, the good old boys, isn't going to last long. All these people are dying off. There's leaders like Jeremy. There's other black leaders. There's Hispanic leaders. There's minority leaders that have been through infrastructures of power that they don't want to have happen to the next generation. So it, if you don't step forward, then another good old boys is going to be created. That's just in any kind of job, whether it's military or not. So my answer to that question has always been, it's, it's, it's got to start with one. And I, I myself as a black man, being in the military, have seen uh, systemic rank type of things that have happened that are foul. But at the same context, if I wasn't there, I wouldn't have been able to be that person to stop it and to report it at my level and to do something about it. And it always starts with one. And so that's the way I look at it is if you're not going to change it, the good old boys will keep it the same. And I don't I don't ever want it to be like that for my kids and their kids, kids. So it starts with one for me. Yeah, no, I <clears throat> I 100 percent agree because it it does. It, it's in it's actually just like uh, like Bobby said, you know, you got to step forward and create that community and. You know, I'm 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 back from the old army. You know, I, I came in in 2007, so things we were still in the the heat the heat of uh, Iraq at this time. Like you know, Iraq was was on and popping at this time, and you know, here I am, you know, a 17 year old kid does like I don't know what the fuck I'm gonna do with my life. So you know, I found you know I found solace in the military, and and I heard that growing up. Oh man, I, I can't believe you you're joining the military, you're doing this that and the other. I'm like, well, I could stay my happy ass in Baytown, and you know what's gonna happen. I'm end up working at the fucking plants because that's what everybody who doesn't go off to big colleges end up doing, working at Shell, working at Exxon, working at Chevron. That ain't me. I tried it. That shit was trash. I fucking hated it. And I'm not a, and I'm no stranger to manual labor, but working at the plants is fucking trash. 
power to those people that love doing that shit. That shit won for me. The military brought a level of structure into my life that I did not have. I had great parents. I had great siblings. I had all that good stuff. But I was missing something for me, personally for me. And that's what I needed. And I was able to find that with um, you know, with the military. And it and it and it all started. Like I said, I was 17 going into my senior year of high school. So for 11 months, the unique thing about, like I said, without what, what the three of us in this panel here do is, you know, I was able to go to this program we call the RSP program. So I was able to just continue to learn more and more before I even went to training. But then when I went to training, it was an eye-opening experience. I had never in my life seen something like that. Cats from all across the U.S., all 50 states. I met cats from states that I ain't never even really thought about visiting. I'm talking about from like Wisconsin and shit like that. I'm like, bro, people are from there? Like the fuck, you know what I'm saying? People from people from South Dakota. I was like, wait, wait a minute, what? Like, you know, mind you, we're talking about you know, 17, 18 year old me. I didn't at this time, the furthest I had traveled was Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas. I hadn't traveled anywhere else. So Missouri was the fourth state I had ever visited in my life at this time. So, you know, to go through all that and talk to all these different people from all these different, you know, different walks of life, and then come back home and start to apply it and see, like, man, okay. Now, now it all makes sense. You know, like you see it on TV, you see the brown round, you see people getting yelled at. And it's, I'm here to tell you, just like I'm sure Alexander can tell you, it's not 100% what you think it is. There's a method to the madness. And the method to the madness is very simple. I can explain it to you the way that I explain it to my high school kids now because of the career path that I'm in now. It is no different than my athletes who go through strength and conditioning in two a days. It's the exact same concept. As a coach, when you get a brand new group or a brand new team, your objective as the coach is to get them to play as one cohesive unit. When we go off to basic training and learn those things, it is the job of the drill sergeants to get 120 complete fucking strangers to be one cohesive unit. We ain't got to like each other, but guess what the fuck we got to do? Meet that objective together or we're going to get our ass whooped every single step of the way. And I don't mean that physically. I, well, I do mean that physically, but through exercise, yeah. not through a belt. But, you know, there was a lot that we went through, a lot of, a lot of low crawling, a lot of push-ups, a lot of the norm. But by the time my time ended and I graduated AIT, my whole thought process was like, damn, this is dope. You know, like I felt like I, I finally felt like I knew exactly what purpose my life was. And as I progressed in my career and I started getting putting these these little positions of leadership, like like like, you know, assistant manager, supervisory type of things, but not not the boss, you know. And, you know, you're in charge of a couple people here and there. Or, you know, now all of a sudden you're moved into a position where, you know, seven or eight guys and gals are looking to you for answers. And you're like, shit, I got to have an answer for this. You know, without everything that I had learned from the military, I wouldn't be able to do that. Yeah. I couldn't have eight strangers come up to me and ask me for help and guidance and I just know what to do. No, yeah. the military brought that out of me. And then, you know, in the position that I'm in now, I can sit there and, hey, you know, I put 100 people in front of me. And guess what we're about to do? Go get the job done. I promise you that. We'll and, you know, and Mike and, and Mike has seen this shit firsthand with me as a coach. I don't care what the team looks like. I'm going to find a way to bring the absolute best out of that team. Mm-hmm. Because I took a team full of short people in middle school. And I mean short. Like my tallest kid was about three inches shorter than me. And we was balling our ass off. And, and Mike has seen this because he saw probably, in my opinion, still to this day, one of my greatest coaching jobs, period. Because we were in a, we were in this game. And we was getting our ass handed to us. It's a middle school game for the folks who, who hadn't caught on yet. And we was getting whooped. And, I mean, it wasn't close. Like, at halftime, I think we were down, what was it, 21? 
Yeah. And and Micah was sitting in front. The, the visiting parents were sitting behind him, and they was talking all that hot shit. Oh, man, they finna get blown out. They finna this, that. And, and tell them what you said when you turned around and talked to them. I just turned around and was like, get ready, because it's coming. And the defense locked in. It was over. There's, there's more reasons why I'm a Miami Heat fan. We locked in with that culture because the culture is me. And we locked in defensively and we took care of business and we ended up coming back and winning that game by 10. So mm-hmm. that's how we pulled it off. And then all Micah did was just look at them parents and say, what I tell you? It was very simple to see. <laughs> so here's the thing that we know about life really quickly. When it comes to the military, and I equate it very simply like this. Fire breeds two things dead people and leaders because you have a choice when you get in that fire you can come out of that motherfucker better than when you walked in or you can sit there and burn your choice but you have a choice and that's the that's the key you have a choice just like with everything else you have a choice us being african-americans in the military we have a choice i've dealt with my share of, of prejudice and racism i've dealt with it i laughed at it i thought it was funny so i'm like bro we're in the military the fuck you mean like there's a time and a place where we're going to be downrange and you're going to rely on me to do a job. And all that race and prejudice, you can go out the fucking window because you want to go home yeah, to your wife matter. and kids just like I do. So, so miss me with that shit stateside. Because if, when I take off that uniform, guess what I am? I'm a grown-ass man. And we can have conversations in the back like grown-ass <clears> men. All right. I like it. That's a good question. I was I was waiting yeah, for that. No, I was. We we had kind of talked about it in the, in the the pre-show, and then I was like, "Hey, man, say like, do your thing, bro. Like, let's you know, let's make it happen." So, you you want to get into our our favorite part of this? Yeah, man. You know, yeah. we we've been having some deep discussions, so uh, we're gonna do something fun real quick. Something that we love. A segment that was made, and I'm gonna let Mister GQ drop it. I love that beat. Um, okay, so let's get into our segment. This people is dumbass millionaires. You know, we've been having some deep conversations, so we're going to do something fun real quick. But it kind of ties into the whole Juneteenth thing when we were talking about black people tearing each other down, right? I'm pretty sure everybody here has heard some form of the comments of Azalea Banks to DC Young Fly and Jackie O's passing. Mm-hmm. If you haven't, I'll paraphrase it real quick. She said it was karma of Jackie O's passing, karma for DC since she got roasted on Wild and Out. And she felt like it was colorism on their part because Cardi B is a light-skinned, half-black, half-Puerto Rican woman, and she's a dark-skinned black woman. And we all know this is, this is Wild and Out, man. You can't go on Wild and Out, a show that roasts people just for fun, and be butthurt when you get roasted. So yeah. to wrap up DC Fly's Young Thoughts, they played a game. I'm pretty sure we all know the game. Uh, so fly. They changed it because Azalea Banks is so petty. She's always talking down and stuff like that. And DC basically said, my team captain so petty, he couldn't get Cardi B, so he got Azalea Banks ugly ass. And DC called everybody ugly ass. He didn't really mean that she was ugly. Yeah. That's his obviously it hurt it. <laughs> it hurt it to the point where she obviously feel like she's ugly. But 
for her to sit there and say on her 32nd, it's the 32nd or 31st, at the 31st birthday, that Jackie O died on, on, on the 31st of the month of her 30, uh, of her 31st birthday, which is basically her golden birthday, which never got the point of golden birthdays, but whatever, was karma for DC Young Fly. How can you even begin to equate that and open your mouth and say some disrespectful shit like that? I just want to hear, G- Jeremy, I, I, oh, GQ, I know, I know you're going to rip on a new one, bro. Go ahead. Take it away. So let's, let's, let's start with this. We, we're not even going to equate it to the people yet. Let's just start in general. You as a person, as a human, cannot wish that level of fucked up on somebody. Because if you can't take what we call simple jokes, then you probably shouldn't go on a show that is predicated on jokes and roasting. Because, Micah, you know this. Dorian, you know this. We're all kind of not too far apart as far as graduating classes go. Most of our lunches were spent roasting each other. Like, that is how the lunches in high school went. Like, it wasn't fights. It was a circle of people, but it was a roast session going on. Sometimes it was team versus team. Sometimes it was one versus one because we spotted somebody that didn't decide it on a cold day in Texas when it was 42 degrees. They ain't put no lotion on, and they look like they got into a fight with Johnson's baby powder and lost that motherfucker, and we got on their <laughs> ass about it. You know, that's, that's who we are. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, the fact that she couldn't take it, she shouldn't have been there. She was out of place. Now let me bring it back to what we were talking about is – you cannot say and do that type of evil to somebody in your own community. You can't wish that level of karma because at the end of the day, he didn't do anything to you. He was doing his like, job. He, yeah, like he did his job. And if you listen to him talk, because, you know, he don't say the word ugly. He said ugly. Like, you know what I'm saying? He put a little, you know, a little southern twang on it. So you already know he's not being serious about it. And if you watch his mannerisms, he's not serious anyway. I don't think that man has ever had a serious moment on Wild Out. So if you, prior to being a guest on that show, has not seen what this man does and how he does it, you shouldn't have showed up. <laughs> and simply put, Miss Banks, you 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 out of line for that. And that karma that's gonna come back on you gonna be gonna be just as bad because that's terrible. You can't wish that, even if it's somebody that you absolutely despise. You can never utilize death as a karma because death is not a karma. Death is a thing that happens. It's the inevitable people. It is the inevitable. You cannot wish that level of karma because it is not truly what that is. Even if somebody did you wrong for their entire life and the day they passed away, you're like, oh, that's karma. No, it's not. It's the inevitable. There's nothing we as humans can do about death. We are not immortal. Only in comics. Only in comics. Only in comics. I had to get my one little comic book line out of there. (laughs) (laughs) Either one of y'all get a comment? (laughs) Yeah, I'll say this, and then after this, I got to sign off because I got uh, I got to go ahead and do the family thing. And I appreciate you guys having me on, but I think it goes back, and I'm gonna make a full circle on it. It goes back to what um, what we all talked about is clearly this era, and clearly as black community, we've lost something. And I'm gonna use this adjective: we've lost the the uh way of being uh we we've lost class that's the adjective i'm gonna use mm, uh, we lost class we've we've lost class because like you said 
that's something that everybody's grown up with as far as being roasting. Like you already knew what kind of person you were if you weren't going to do cut downs and your mama jokes and all this other stuff. If you knew that your behind was sensitive, if you knew that, 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 then you don't do that. Because at the end of the day, it's all about shaking hands and, and, and just playing around. But at the end of the day, uh, it's about being on that level of making sure that you maintain your composure and, Everybody's so caught up on social media. This is the only real social media that I have is like TikTok. Like I don't, I'm not really on a whole lot of social media unless I'm doing my action verse entertainment stuff, excuse me. And so I think with Azalea Banks and I think just as a whole to kind of wrap things up, we just lost class, man. We've lost the ability to, gain our composure in amongst uh, amongst people and, and and be able to to just be poised in what we have to say know that it's for that moment and then move on and be mature about it and if there's any kind of problem or situation you handle that shit backstage you handle that stuff uh backstage and 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 then that's it and I think we need to get that back as a community. I think we need to get that back as a whole. And and I just think she's just not she somebody failed her in the area of knowing how to talk uh, and knowing when to talk about somebody's type of situation, especially when it doesn't concern you. That's something so sensitive. And for you to be insensitive about somebody's kind of death, I would be very leery on uh the reaping and sowing method of what you just said you know you heard it from mr alexander man we appreciate you coming to the show today man that was that was we that was dope um you know let everybody know where they can find your your entertainment so they can follow you make sure they keep up with what you got going on oh, yeah yeah uh hit me up on youtube it's action verse entertainment uh you can also uh be expecting something big to be dropping next year uh, Jeremy is going to be involved and we're going to try to get everybody we're going to try to get the black community involved too as far as trying to get this because this is a black uh, community uh, type of uh, event that's about to happen as far as action versus entertainment I'm, I'm being very vague because it's supposed to be a, a grand opening of something great for action entertainment action versus entertainment but yeah find me on YouTube uh, action versus entertainment and uh, talk to you guys later Hey, well, right, right before you go, right before you go, whenever this whole thing ha happens, we would love to have you back on so you could talk about it. So, hey, I'd love to be here. All right. 100%. All right. Thank y'all. I appreciate you. Appreciate it. Is he going? Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. Your, your thoughts over there, uh, Mr. Dorian. There we go. Uh yeah, I was having technical issues over here. Oh no, you're uh, good, man. <laughs> what was the uh? Oh, we talking about the Azalea Bex thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, that was that was just messed up. Like you, you never celebrate somebody's death. Like that reminds me of when Kobe died. That was that comedian that uh that that pretty much celebrated his death because of that that rape case that he had back in like the early two thousands. Yep. Um, yeah, that was it's, that's never okay. Like somebody's gonna celebrate your death one day. That's, that's how I look at it. That's the only thing that's that I can see about it as being karma is that you know 
you you excited for somebody being wrong, somebody is gonna be just as excited. So not, not, now that we got now that we got the serious part out of the way, let's really talk about this. Shout out to Goat for this comment. But who has ever said, yo, turn on that Azalea Banks? Can y'all name three songs of hers? Nah. I can't even name one. Nah. Like, I can't name, I can't name, name one. one. I'm a DJ. The only reason I know who she is is because of she always in some stuff. That's all I know. That's he, all he, he, he's being petty with this one. <laughs> Go stupid, Michael Oden to me. Hey, and more, more, more importantly, or more over the the thing when you go back and watch this episode. First of all, you brought up ugly ass, like how DC says. That's DC's version of head ass. Everybody knows that. He called everybody ugly ass. Number one, yeah. and, and number two, DC ain't say nothing. He in the middle of mourning his, he mourning he mourning the loss of yeah. his house. Like what you this man yeah. ain't about Honestly. You know I mean, even on the episode, he just said, uh, you know what? She kept on going and going. She was like, I hope you're used to this spotlight because this is as far as you're going. And at DC was like, She's still talking about me. And he over there laughing. And then he was like, uh, I'll save it for a while style. Never mind. And that's what he said for the next two minutes. And she just, they, you know, they, they edited everything, but they said she was walking around crying, claiming colorism. Then she came for Nick Cannon, and they stayed all the while. And our cast started getting on to her and roasting her on social media, bro. If you can't take a joke the way he said it, you're you're insecure, and you're and for you to say something like that, yes, ugly as he said your ugly ass was. Then, I mean, where's the lie? <laughs> Cause she definitely ain't cute. I don't give a fuck. And she can come at me on social media, but I'm gonna tell you right now, if you do it, I'm gonna put your ass in a metaphorical fucking grave because I'm gonna light your ass up. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna light your ass up. Like I'm telling you, I'm trying to be nice right now, but I see the and then the picture she posted with what she what she said. I said, come on, dog. I know you ain't roasting nobody in that outfit. Listen, facts. When you're when <laughs> when 85% of your neck up is fake, you ain't allowed to roast nobody. I see Fuck out of you here. Remember when, you remember when Chico told told uh Nick Cannon he got the legs of a flamingo pimp? I don't know what the cannon legs look like, but I think that's exactly what the legs of Flamingo Pink look like. And it seemed like the killer Flamingo too with the outfit she was wearing. Oh man. No, but it's it's the truth. So we was talking about roasting. I'm I'm a I'm gonna drop a little story time because we you know we we I'm gonna bring it back real quick. So we this is back yeah. in 2000, 2007. This is junior year. Yeah, this is all when I before the controversy happened when I got in trouble. But this was we this was when oh. I, this was in the beginnings. Before LXG was created, this is back when we, uh, we had the asshole crew. This is AHK back in the day. But, um, wow. Yeah, yeah, this is way back, back in the time. So we sitting there, and our little table that we sit at at lunch every day, you know, same people, nothing's different. You know, everybody got their little area they sit in. So there was this chick. I'm not going to say what her name is because you know how I am about free clout. But if you look up in the air and you know what the name of it is, you know what her name is. I'm going to leave it at I'm going to say it like that. So there was this particular day where for some reason she just would not leave well enough alone. I mean, just kept, you know, trying to trying to go in on us. And I'm just like, nah, fuck that. 
Fuck that. I got mad. I said, bet. I said, look, this is what we're going to do tomorrow. I said, check it out. And I, I, you know, just like every movie you've ever seen, we hold it up and I said, look, this is exactly what we got to do. So when I do this, this is your cue to do this. Like we had a whole setup. So we sitting there, we and we made sure we got the lunch early in the motherfucker. Got to the front of the line, got our food, got set about to go down. We didn't want to miss, we didn't want anything but this moment to happen. So we chilling. We, we ain't even eating our food. I'm just watching, waiting for her to come around the corner. So she came around the corner, and this is how you know when we graduated, because we used a particular song that was very popular at this time, entitled Jesus Walks. So when she came around the corner, we started going boom, 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 boom. <laughs> And she lost her shit. Like we did the whole opening intro. She didn't catch on until we started doing it. And then she threw her slushy over at our table. And I was like, I don't give a fuck. I was like, you just wasted your own money. Like, I was like, they got to do me. You know, but that shit was so funny because in the moment, you know, I'm like, all she do, and you know, it is always, and Michael, you know this shit just as well as I do. It's always the ugly ones. It is. Like, it really is. And she, and she did ass, like, she looked like if, if like she looked like Azalea Banks and Quasimodo had a kid, like that's what she that's what she straight up looked like. <laughs> and so, and I'm like, and she, and she was one of them girls, like she was just bad body built, like she was built as bad as like the penguin from the from the Batman movie. Oh, you know, what I'm saying massive ass upper body next to no lower body, like big ass feet. <laughs> so her shit looked like she was rocking them them official Luke Skywalkers, because that's what it looked like. <laughs> like, I like, look. I'm telling you, look, don't come at me with these jokes because I start, I start, I start lighting them up. That's just, that's just who I am. But it was at that moment that she knew she fucked up because she ain't say shit to us for the rest of the school year after that. And I was cool with it because I ain't like the way she talked anyway. She sounded like a cross between like Kermit the Frog and fucking uh, Doc Rivers. Y'all gave, y'all, y'all gave her that uh, menace to society treatment. You know you fucked up, right? <laughs> 100%. And that's just what it is, you know, like, but Sometimes people just deserve it. And that was the beauty of, you know, us growing up. You know, we ain't worried about nobody popping trunk and all that other shit. We just, I mean, we just roast the fuck out you. And then, you know, some people wanted to fight because they couldn't, you know, they had no response. So there's, I will bet. You want to fight everybody. Yeah, I was like, oh, but you don't want to catch a square, though. Motherfucker, we can catch a square, a rectangle, a triangle. We can catch whatever the fuck you want. (laughs) 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 Fuck you. I was like, because I remember, I'll never forget my boy Charlene that did this shit at a basketball game. And you well, you know him too. So somebody was we was at a bat, we we was beating the shot this basketball team. And then he was over there and this dude was getting mad because Charlotte was tearing his ass up. And the dude was like, Man, what's up, man? You want beef? And he was like, you know what? Nah, I got chicken. <laughs> well, Charlotte was making barbecue chicken out of him. And I was just like, and you know, and you know Charlotte, so you can just see and you're like, Yeah, that's Charlotte. That man didn't yeah. take shit serious. That man took nothing serious. And that shit was hilarious in that moment. But I'm glad we were able to have that moment because when we go into this final this final push here is when we kind of got to get a little more serious. Kind of got to point the, I ain't going to say point the finger, but we got to we gotta really dive deep into this very, very, very next part here. So I'm going to drop this cue and we're going to get into it. So here on the real talk, we like to bring everything down. We we had our you know we had our serious conversation, we had our comic relief, and now we like to you know 
hone in. You know, we've been talking this entire episode about progression and all these other things. So I'm gonna leave my question to you first, uh, Micah, and then I'm gonna follow it up with uh, with Dorian. Then I'll drop my I'll drop my wisdom after the fact. But um, thank you. My my daughter wanted to give me a baby wipe, so that's just. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So and now and she reads a book. So she she know what she know what's about to happen. So my question is very simple. Why do you think we as a community continue to play the blame everybody else but me game? You know, I we talked about this last night and I've been really thinking about my answer for this. And the only logical answer I could really come up with is mentality, laziness. Uh, I mean, those things, those things kind of just roll into one. And I say that just because, and I, I, I don't want to be like the person where like, Oh, we're going to cancel this dude because he said this, but here's the reality of the situation. Some of our grandparents were alive during segregation. Segregation has now been over for a good while. But a lot of us did grow up with our grandparents. And a lot of us heard our grandparents talk about the white man always held us back. And the white man didn't want us to progress and things of that nature. We never got our 40 acres and a mule and things like that. But on the, on the flip side of that, most of us, when we, when we were growing up, we lived with our grandparents. Our grandparents had a house, they owned land, and even though they blamed the white man for a lot of the stuff, they still made a way. They still made a way to be owners. They still made a way to make money and provide a life for our parents and ourselves, because a lot of us did grow up in, in the house with our grandparents, and our parents still there. So we, I feel like we continue continually blame everybody else because we're not getting the handout that our grandparents were supposed to get. And we feel like a lot of people feel like just because their grandparents didn't get it, they should get it. But none of us really lived during that time or in that era. And there's plenty of opportunities. Now, if you just go out there and work your ass off and they don't want to do that. They don't want to do that. And sorry to tell people success isn't made overnight. That shit is earned. Every successful person will tell you that shit is earned. There was once Diddy quoted, and somebody out there is going to be like, well, Diddy's a millionaire, but this quote is very essential to what, I, what, what I'm saying. Diddy was once quoted saying, I haven't slept in three days because I haven't made a million dollars yet, and I'm still trying to find a way to make, a, to, to make the rest of it. Mentality. So, again, I feel like as, as blacks as blacks and young blacks, we all feel and are told time and time again, do sports, do entertainment, things, things of that nature. And I told you, remember I told you this last night, where's the people encouraging them to be doctors, to be lawyers, surgeons? These things make plenty of money, too. And you don't have to be in peak physical shape. You don't have to be the anomaly where you just you, you have physical gifts. Because let's to, to be honest, the people that actually do make the NFL, NBA, MLS, whatever whatever sport, 
they're different. They're different breeds. They they are different breeds. They have some of them have rare physical gifts. Some of them just have a different kind of mentality, and they don't have the physical gifts. You see a guy like Muggsy Bowes make it in the NBA. He was five three five four. Well, the average height of the NBA is six 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 seven. The likelihood of you making it to the NBA if you're not at least six two six three by the time you're in high school goes down significantly. I'm not saying you can't make it to college when you get to college, and that's your. We're not we're not taught plan B. We're taught plan A, no contingency plan, and that's not that's not a good way to live. And I get it. People be like, well, the championship is a, a especially in sports. That's the all all in of everything that you, you train for. But you, the point is you're already successful and now you're just trying to get to the pinnacle. So in, in order for us to break, kind of break that cycle of blaming everybody, again, mentors, mentees, we have to teach them the meaning of successful. I'm a DJ and I say, you know what? My goal as a DJ is to be booked three weeks out of every month because it's a side hustle for me for the, for the most part. Both of you very well know I'm at least decent at what I do, and I'm booked damn near three, three weeks out of every month all the time, and that's as far as I wanted to go with it. Some people might not think that's successful, but I set a goal, and I succeeded in my goal. I am a successful DJ because I stay continually booked and continually get calls. I don't have to be a DJ that play a million to, to get a million dollars to get to be deemed successful at what I do. So I think the, the word successful is what we, we have to break down and teach people. Success is when you when you set a goal and you you reach that motherfucker. Really and truly. And until that is taught, we're we're gonna still keep playing this blame game like I wasn't given this and I wasn't given that. But you might not have been given this and that, but what you were given when you were younger was to have a free education because your grandparents suffered to be taught how to read, write, and get an education. And if you can't use your mind to get an education to become successful, you're going to keep playing the same blame game over and over and over and over again. Damn. Michael, you dropped a bomb on us. <laughs> but I'm not going to let you get away with just talking about you an right, DJ. Nah, fuck that shit. Nope. <laughs> Hell no. So I'll fight you. I'm going to fight you. <laughs> Fuck no. This motherfucker done headlined big time Caribbean fest up in Dallas and shit and been doing this shit for a hot minute. And any time, I'm going to go ahead and do this soapbox moment. Anytime Mr. GQ throws a party, that's the first and only motherfucking DJ I call because I already know what it is. I'm not calling nobody else. For what? I know what I'm going to get when, I, when this man pull up. This man has DJed every major party I've ever thrown, and I never had to ask him. He just pulled up, hey, you want me to bring the speakers? Uh -huh. I ain't going to stop you. And we done had some moments. And just Back. like back in our days in chemo, when we when we bartended and DJed together, boy, they oh, learned bro. real quick, boy. That ain't the, that ain't the duo you want to fuck with, because we're going to have you fucked up and turned up simultaneously. Yup. <laughs> oh, trust me, Dorian, though, he laughing because he know. <laughs> he, was there. he was there at one of Mr. GQ's greatest parties, which is the adult pajama oh, party, man. which was literally a movie. And I ain't saying that lightly because the following day was exactly what it was. It was a movie. It was hilarious. It was great. We won't get into detail on that. But just know that it was great. There were people throwing up and down the hallways and shit. It was just out of there. 
but it was worth it. Just like that night when we all went to the ranch. <laughs> that was a good night. Good night. <laughs> that was a good night, boy. Boy, Dorian and the Timbos was killing it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But. Now, but what's your what's your thoughts on that though, D? Um, I do. I think I think it starts with accountability. Like, um, I have responsibility. Uh, you say you're mentoring somebody, right? You give them something for them to be responsible for, and you hold them accountable to take care of that thing properly. Um, and if uh, let's say it's let's say it's a, a laptop. You give give one of your kids a laptop and tell them to make sure you keep it charged. Don't download any viruses, anything like that. Use it for school and uh, make it to the end of the semester without any issues. And that's now that kid's responsibility. Um, you know, and let's say they mess up, they download a virus, yeah, the whole computer crashes and everything. You hold them accountable because they're gonna blame the virus. Well, I, I, I caught a virus, and it's like, well, you know, you told that you, you know you put it, you put down the guidelines. Like, don't do this, don't do that, and you won't catch a virus. You won't do this. Um, at least make make sure whoever that is understands that the thing didn't work because they messed up, not because the world waved its hand. Tripped you up, you know. Uh, that's a, that's. I think that's the biggest thing is that nobody claims responsibility for anything, um, even in sports. Um, like I've trained so many people who swore to God that they were going to go pro if they didn't blow out their knee or they didn't have issues with their coach. Like you play college football. 11 years ago, and you still talking about how you could have went first, like, let it go, you know? Um, a lot of people get stuck in that loop. Like, there's one little moment in time where they were on top, and then they get humbled, and they blame everything but them, everything, everything about the situation but themselves. Like, no one, nobody can be successful until they start holding themselves accountable. And like Micah said, it's just setting a goal of reaching. Like if you know if you're having a baby, the goal is to have a baby. Are you successful? I hope so. You know what I mean? Like the when you wake up in the morning, the goal is to get to work. Were you successful in getting to work? Okay, I go from there. Like everyone has these lofty ideas of what success is, like making a million dollars or or being famous or stuff like that. And it's just so vain and self-centered that, you know, you're missing out on all the, all the growth you could have just by doing the thing. And yeah, I think, I think it just starts with accountability. Make sure someone understands when they mess up, it's, it's because of that. <clears throat> yeah, no, I'm, I'm, I'm with that. And I, I like both of you guys' perspectives and I like where your head's at and I'm going a, I'm to a be that guy and I'm, I'm going to take us to the second and third level of this problem, this issue. Uh, 
excuse me, mama, daddy got to preach for a second. Give me a minute. Um, and it, it, and it starts because we as a culture have lived entirely too much off of assistance. Ah, yeah. And everybody knows what I'm talking about when I say assistance. We have gotten too comfortable, which is the same thing the Dorians just said not too long ago. We got comfortable. And it's like, why are we so comfortable? Because somebody is giving us the bare minimum to get by, and we think that, that is enough, and it's not. We, we live in off of food stamps. We're living off of housing. We're living off of Medicaid and Medicare and all this stuff like that, and it's only the bare minimum. It is not the end-all, be-all to sustain life. It is enough to help you get by. It is called assistance for a reason. Assistance, not dependence. Make sure y'all caught that. It is assistance, not dependence. You cannot depend on this for the rest of your life. When you depend on it, you are not trying to progress. Just like we talked about at the very beginning of the show, this is where we have no longer progressed because we are relying on assistance. All right. Now you can come back. Had to get that out of my system. All right. You can't be screaming like that. You know we're going live, right? Anywho. So that is where we've been held back. And because we're relying, we're so reliant on assistance, we don't think that we have to go do anything else. We think, oh, it's cool. Just like when we started depending on unemployment. We all remember that. Especially during yeah. COVID. Oh, man, it's COVID. Oh, man, I'm going to get all this unemployment. Oh, man, I'm racking up all this money. Yeah, but what you going to do when that unemployment dry up? Because that shit dried up quick. I wish I could have got it. Appreciate you. Happy Juneteenth out there. That boy's name, Mobley. Oh, Scotty. Oh, that's good. Um, <laughs> but, um, but, but I mean, it's the truth. I mean, I, you know, you know, Dorian and myself, we didn't experience, you know, all that unemployment stuff because we were, uh, we were active pretty quick. I was essential, bro. Yeah, I, I, I was essential too. I kept, the, I kept the memo with the memos in my car. Like, I, I drove around <laughs> freely. No traffic. Yeah. Was great. I was like, wait, I can do this? Shit. But, it goes back to what I was saying. We even now in 2023, we still are so reliant on on housing and, and Section Eight and all this shit. I'm like, but what are you doing to truly progress yourself? You're still relying on other people, but you want to come at people like myself and and Dorian to my oh, but you 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 and the, the white man's this that and the other. But I'm like, well, but you taking the white man's handout? Oh, that's like a good that. point. You taking the white man's Ooh. handout, but. But me and Dorian are over here. We, we over here for a sense of pride and a sense of duty and a sense of everything else. We're actually investing just like they invested in us. And what is the return on investment? When him and I retire, we good. Because of what I've done, this little girl ain't got to pay for college now. That's what I'm doing. What are you doing with all that government assistance whenever it dries up? What are you doing? What's your return on investment now? Oh, I got 5000 on my income tax. Yeah, cool story, bro. What you going to do in March when you done blew all that shit in February? Oh, because, stupid shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, man, that flat screen TV on sale. Oh, I'm going to go buy $400 worth of groceries. I'm going to go do... Why don't you take like $1,000 of that and invest that shit into something that's going to help you return on an investment the following year? Bro, I'm, 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 I'm going to let these people know because y'all know the, the DJ thing, right? Real quick. The biggest income tax check I got was a $3,000 income tax check. I got it. I was like, man, I ain't got no speakers. I ain't got no board. I ain't got no sub. I took all $3,000. I went and bought me a laptop, my two speakers, my sub, and then I had speakers left over to get a monitor to practice on. Just like that the next year. I damn, I damn it tripled my investment. Invest in yourself. 
100 percent. it's all about perspective and i'm gonna wrap this up by simply going with something that i i told you about last night micah but um so the the r&b singer monica she did something that i thought was absolutely phenomenal her her son her oldest son turned 18 and for his 18th birthday she gave him 1800 to just spend whatever he wants then she flipped it and said i'm also going to give you eighteen thousand dollars to help you start your business and invest in yourself. We're going to sit down and we're going to talk over a business plan based on what you want to do. That's the type of shit I'm talking about. She started from nothing. She built the what she wanted. And now she's making sure that her kids have that continued residual income. Our parents, the three of us on this panel here, our parents may not have been able to give us that monetary freedom but the wisdom and the lessons and everything else that they gave us are the reasons why we are standing here or just sitting here today being the successful men that we are now because our parents invested in us and the return on the investment one is this little kid that's sitting on my lap right now but i moved i moved out at i moved out at 19 i moved out early and i've been on my own i came back home one time just because of circumstances but i but i have but i moved out i got my own place i'm on house number two and i'll be 34 this year Mm -hmm. My parents are proud of everything that I've done. Just like I know your parents are proud of you, Mike. Just like I know your, your parents are proud of you, Dor, because we've done things that most people don't do. They don't they don't escape circumstance. They find an excuse to stay. And that's just not the right answer. Like you, you are you are only a victim of what you allow yourself to be victimized by. You, you know, go piggybacking on what you said about the handout thing. All right. So how about this? It's watching, and y'all can go back and, and preach it to the kids or whatever. But here, here, how about a handout of knowledge? You know what's you know what's a handout? The fact that you can go to the library, read books, and use the internet for free and gain all the knowledge you want to, and use your knowledge to do something to better yourself. That's taking accountability for yourself. Man, you have that. A bro, they got you, this. They got this. <laughs> We used to have to go to the library with a motherfucker. We used to have to go to the library to print shit out. Yep. Like, not not to mention all the Lee College days when we had to, you know, go to the library, use the sources, and do all that shit. Like, if that was the only Wi-Fi we had at the time was at the college. Oh, yeah. It wasn't at home. It damn sure wasn't at home. Like, you, you, they have, this generation has more power than they realize. Some of them have figured it out, and some of them have not. Because when kids still ask me questions and I'm like, don't you have a phone? And now we're in this age where we have AI as a thing now, like AI is becoming a thing. Like, won't you ask, won't you ask that device that you own all the time instead of scrolling, you know, a, a fucking twin towers worth of fucking TikToks? Why don't you get on there and actually do something productive? Nobody reads books anymore. How many people actually own a book, an actual book, not a, not a, not even an ebook, an actual paperback or even a hardback book i mean i know i do but i'm just saying like in general these these young kids like how many of them actually own a book or read books that literally can help shape their lives in a better way make them better businessmen and women like who who owns what we used to call self-help books we don't we have different names for them now but who actually owns books like that that actually gets them you know that betters their life like the power is in the palm of their hands I mean that's that's really what it comes down to now. Y'all see the this? Power is in the palm of the hands. 
This is a this book was given to me by one of my first aunts. 365 pages every day of the year. It has a different leadership lesson. I read this book every day to learn something different. Even though I've already read this book through because he gave it to me during COVID. Just like something that Dorian alluded to earlier about the Bible and stuff. You can read the same verse five times and learn something different five times. I'm not a super religious person, but I am a person that loves to interpret things because I like to interpret and learn things. And you can learn a lot by simply reading something that someone else wrote. Take from that what you will. I always we, we, we heard this growing up a lot. The knowledge is power. And that's cool. Knowledge is power. But let me tell you right now, knowledge is power is one of the most incomplete statements that we've ever heard. Knowledge is power, but knowledge is useless unless it's shared. That is the full. That is the full explanation of that and we don't we never we never as growing up we never got that part of it we only just told oh yeah knowledge is power yeah cool what what about it how do i harness that power you got to share it little girl get off my headphones killing me <laughs> this is what happens when you have kids folks they they, they all over the place space. man look it's nine o'clock she's so far past her bedtime it's not even funny but she's gonna sleep hard in the paint here in a minute but that right there, ladies and gentlemen, wraps up our real talk. We had to do it, and it was great. I appreciate Mr. Alexander for coming on. Dorian, my brother, my LXG brother, it was great to see you. Even my if boy. You're his screen right here. So I'm glad you was able to join us tonight. Um, I know you. Right. I know you'll be here for a little bit. Um, we we got a couple of shows coming up that I definitely want to keep you in mind for, especially because you are our resident comic book expert in the group. <laughs> you know all things oh, yeah. comic books. This is this we, this man has gone through many a nicknames with us, and and Hulk is one of them. But before yeah. we let you go, before we let you go, I want you to take some time and let everybody know about what you got going on. Talk to them about Victory Strength. Like, let them know what's up. Let them know how they can find you, and all these types of things like that. Okay, so I own a personal training service called Victory Strength Systems. Uh, it's pretty much straightforward. I'm a personal trainer. I work with anyone from the age of 12 all the way up to age 80. It really doesn't matter. Uh, if there's a way I can help you, I'll help you. Uh, you can find me on Instagram at Dorian, D-O-R-I-O-N, Drake, which is my middle name, uh, 89. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at Victory Strength uh, systems. So you have those two. Uh, you can Google me or you can Google Victory Strength Systems. Uh, I have online training. I have uh, program subscription. Whatever you need to help you get to what you want to be, I got you. Y'all heard that. All right. Something, one of my philosophies that I talk about with all of my young people is you can have your spring break body year round. It's all about perspective and how you train it. So talk to that man right there. That man can help you. Even if you can't make it to the gym, you heard him. He got online services, man. There's no excuse to take care of you. You only got one body. What you do with it is completely up to you, but we're giving you an option. And guess what? Knowledge is power, and we just share some of that knowledge with you. So what you do with that is completely on you. So, yes, y'all hear my daughter crying in the background because you already know it's time for her to take her behind to bed. But, ladies and gentlemen, Thank y'all for tuning in to another episode of Gentleman's Talk. This has been the Juneteenth special. As you can see, I am the CEO of the Fuck Around and Find Out community, which is exactly what my daughter is about to do in about 45 <laughs> seconds, Mr. GQ. And I am a platinum card member of the Juneteenth community, committee of McNair, Texas.
Hey, and we out, folks. When I'm in my zone, I feel like I'm alone. I feel like I'm unknown to the world that's full of clones. My originality focused on principalities broken. I'm loaning my heart and soul to the game that's scared to pay it back. Confession is a motherfucker.